The text for this morning's sermon is Matthew 2, the verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in, Judea, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, today we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We rejoice in God's grace in sending his son to save us from our sins. This morning we'll focus our attention on the story of the wise men that came from the east. They came to Jerusalem looking for the king of the Jews. Their coming caused Herod great anxiety. It resulted in all of Jerusalem being disturbed. After being directed by the chief priests and the teachers of the law to go to Bethlehem, the wise men found Jesus there. They worshipped him, and they presented him with precious gifts. Often we read the events of our text as a nice story. But Matthew wrote his gospel with a particular intent in mind. He was writing to an audience that consisted predominantly of Jews, he wanted to teach them about Jesus, whose birth we celebrate in this Christmas season. Who was that baby in the manger? Jesus would later put a similar question to his disciples during his public ministry. He asked them, Who do you say that I am? It's a question that we face as well. Who is this Jesus who has come? And will someday come again? 
Matthew tells us that this little baby is Christ, the promised Messiah, the King of the Jews. When we look at Matthew's Gospel, we see that this is not the only time Jesus is described as the King of the Jews. Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the King of the Jews? The soldiers put a scarlet robe on him and set a crown of thorns on his head. They knelt in front of him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! When Jesus was crucified, they placed a written charge against him on a sign above the cross. It read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. In our text, Matthew offers various proofs to show Jesus was indeed the long-awaited Messiah, the King of the Jews. I preach to you the word of God under the following theme. Wise men from the east come, testifying of the birth of the King of the Jews. We'll consider who Jesus is, how Jesus is received, and that Jesus is to be worshipped. It is important for us to consider when it was that the wise men came from the east. Often we have the idea that they came and they surrounded Mary and Joseph and the shepherds around the manger. That's simply not true. Our text states in verse 1 that it was after Jesus was born in Judea that wise men came from the east. Depending on exactly where they came from in the east, it would have taken them many months to travel to Jerusalem. Verse 11 notes that going into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. Joseph and Mary were no longer in a place where animals were kept. They were in a house. They and the baby Jesus had obviously settled in Bethlehem. Note also that Herod determined the time when the wise men first saw the star and that Herod killed all the baby boys under two years of age. Thus, the events of our text likely took place sometime between Jesus' first and second birthdays. Who were these wise men who came from the east? Generally, they're thought to be of the priestly caste, magicians, sorcerers, and advisors of the kings of old. Where did these wise men come from? Traditionally, the, exp the explanation has been given that they came either from a Medo-Persian background or from the wise men of Babylon. During Israel's time in exile, these wise men were taught about God, of the, taught about the God of Israel by Daniel and by his three friends. Yet it's also possible that these wise men were descendants of Ishmael. In Genesis 17, verse 6, God promised Abraham, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come forth from you. The Lord promised to give Abraham a son in his old age through Sarah. In response, Abraham laughed and said, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God responded by repeating his promise that Sarah would bear a son, 
and that Abraham should call his name Isaac. He would be the son with whom God would establish his covenant. Yet God promises to also hear Abraham's prayer concerning Ishmael. He said, Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation. In Genesis 25, we read of the children and grandchildren God gave to Abraham. After Sarah died, Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. Her children and grandchildren are listed, including Midian, Sheba, and Ephah. Later in Genesis 25, we see how God's promise concerning Ishmael is fulfilled. Nebaioth and Keter are listed as two of the twelve princes descended from Ishmael. What is striking is that in Isaiah 60, verses 6 and 7, these names of Abraham's descendants through Keturah and these sons of Ishmael are mentioned. Isaiah speaks of them coming with camels, bearing gold and incense, and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. He speaks of them presenting flocks and rams that will be accepted as offerings on the altar. Many see our text as a fulfillment of God's promises in Isaiah 60 and conclude that the wise men were of Arabian descent. In the end, the identity of the wise men is not the most important thing. What's important is the message they bring. They came to Jerusalem, Israel's capital city, asking, Where is he who has been born, king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. In Matthew's day, the idea that heavenly signs marked the births and deaths of great men was widely accepted. Thus, the Jews in Jerusalem would not have found it strange that the wise men saw a star rise to herald the birth of the king of the Jews. It's likely the Jews were aware of the words Balaam spoke to Balak, king of Moab, in Numbers 24, 17. He said, A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. The Jews understood this to be a messianic prophecy. For them, the appearance of a star in the east would have been a legitimate sign of the coming of the Messiah. That the star was no accident and was a sign from God is confirmed by the reappearance of the star as the wise men made their way from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. The star served as a guide. It stopped over the place where Christ was. God used the star as one of the proofs to convince Gentiles and Jews alike that the king of the Jews had been born. In our text, Matthew offers another proof to show that the baby born in Bethlehem was indeed the Messiah, the king of the Jews. When the wise men came to Jerusalem, they asked, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Herod, the Roman ruler over the Jews, called together the chief priests and teachers of the law. And he asked them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet. 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Matthew makes it clear that according to the prophecy of Micah, the promised Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem? Because the coming of Christ would be in fulfillment of God's promises made to David. In 2 Samuel 7, the Lord promised David, a son of his, would sit on his throne, that his kingdom would be established forever. David was born in Bethlehem, and God promises that his beloved son would be born there too. For the Jews, this was another sign that their long-awaited king had been born. And Micah's prophecy does more than just tell us about the place where the Messiah would be born. Micah makes clear the character and task of the coming Christ. He calls him a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The Jews expected him to be a ruler. They expected a Messiah who would deliver them from the oppression of the Romans. But already early in his gospel, Matthew makes it clear the Messiah's task would be to shepherd his people, Israel. Jesus would indeed be the king of the Jews, but his kingship would not be of the type they expected. At various times during his earthly ministry, the Jews sought to make Jesus king. But Jesus' kingship was not of this world. He had to walk the pathway of suffering before he could attain glory. Matthew's gospel begins with the wise men from the east seeing a star and coming to worship the newborn king of the Jews. It ends with a king of the Jews being crucified on Golgotha. While Matthew wants to convince us that Jesus is the king of the Jews, he also wants to make clear the character of Christ's kingship. Jesus came to be the shepherd of his sheep. The good shepherd came to give his life for his sheep, to pay the price we could not pay, to ransom us, body and soul, from all our sins. He bore God's wrath to restore us to the Father, to break down that dividing wall of separation caused by our sins to grant us peace. Jesus came as the king of the Jews, but not just as the king of the physical descendants of Abraham, but rather as the king of all Abraham's spiritual descendants, as king of all those who have Abraham's faith. That's what the prophecy from Isaiah 60 makes clear. It's a prophecy about the coming glory of Zion. While Jerusalem would soon be destroyed by the Babylonians, Isaiah prophesied at the time when it would be restored. He speaks of how many nations will come, bearing tribute, offering sacrifices, and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. This prophecy was initially fulfilled when Israel returned from exile. When the people received rich gifts from the Persian kings to help rebuild the temple, 
its final fulfillment will take place when Christ returns on the clouds of heaven. Scripture makes it clear that people from all tribes and nations will share in the joy and glory of the new Jerusalem. The question is, does this prophecy also find fulfillment in the story of the wise men bringing gifts at the time of Christ's birth? Isaiah's prophecy begins with promises of how the Lord would come and pour out glorious blessings of salvation on Zion. The result is that peoples from throughout the earth would come to Israel's light. Isaiah specifically mentions who some of them are. Isaiah 60 verse 5 makes it clear Abraham's descendants born through Keturah would one day offer up their gifts and praises in Zion. Verse 7 prophesies about how the descendants of Ishmael will offer sacrifices on God's altar. Verses 8 to 14 speak of how people from distant lands will come bringing the wealth of the nations and how their kings would bow down before the king in Zion. What's interesting is that men will come with camels bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. The story of the wise men is a foretaste of how people from all nations and tribes will acknowledge Jesus as Lord and King. What the wise men teach us is that Jesus is the King of Zion, the King of the Jews, before whom all will bow. Micah spoke in chapter 5 about how the coming king's greatness will reach the ends of the earth. Isaiah said, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, he will rule from this time forth and forevermore. Christ will become king of kings and lord of lords. Paul makes it clear in Philippians 2 that God would exalt him to the highest place that one day every knee will bow before him and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In our first point, we've seen who Jesus is. In our second point, we'll see how Jesus is received. The wise men from the east came with testimonies about how the king of the Jews had been born. Their questions directed the people to Bethlehem. The star they saw was a reminder of Balaam's prophecy about how a king would arise from Judah. Their presence as foreigners bearing gifts was an indication Isaiah 60 was being fulfilled. You would expect that all Jerusalem would rise up in excitement at the news that they would rejoice that the Messiah had been born. But that's not what our text indicates. It notes that King Herod was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. The word troubled literally means to shake or stir up. Figuratively, it means to be unsettled, to be upset, to be frightened. Now, we can understand the fact that Herod was upset. In 40 before Christ, the Roman Senate had conferred on him the title 
king of the Jews. The idea that a new king of the Jews had been born was a challenge to him. Herod did not take any challenge to his throne lightly. Herod felt very insecure as king. In his insecurity, he killed all potential rivals to the throne. That included his wife's brother, his sister's husbands, one of his own wives, and three of his own sons. Herod held on to power through fear and bloodshed. Our text shows that Herod took the news of a newborn king of the Jews seriously. He called together the chief priests and teachers of the law and found out from them that the Christ was to be born in Bethlehem. He called the wise men secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He asked them to report to him when they found the child. Herod expressed the desire to go and worship the Christ in Bethlehem. But in actual fact, he wanted to destroy this threat to the throne. That becomes clear later in Matthew 2. Herod was of Edomite descent. Throughout the ages, there was enmity between the Edomites and the Israelites. Satan used Herod to try wipe out the newborn Messiah, the king of the Jews. Matthew 2.16 shows us how Herod killed all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and younger. In many ways, we can understand Herod's response to the news of how the king of the Jews had been born. What's harder to understand is the response of the Jewish people. This was not the first time that news about Christ's birth went out. On the night when Jesus was born, an angel of the Lord appeared to shepherds, keeping watch over their sheep near Bethlehem. He said, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. After going to see the baby Jesus lying in a manger, the shepherds spread the word concerning what they had been told them about this child. Even though Bethlehem and Jerusalem were only 10 kilometers apart, the message of his birth did not seem to catch on. The wise men's appearance in Jerusalem caused dismay among the people. The thought that Christ had been born was ridiculous in the eyes of the Jews. If that had been the case, God would have revealed it to them. They did not expect the Messiah's birth to be a humble one. They cannot imagine he would come unannounced. They were too proud to consider that God might reveal the birth of the Messiah to them through Gentile wise men. Aside from the lowly shepherds of Bethlehem and the Gentile wise men, no one came to Bethlehem to worship Jesus, the King of the Jews. The words John spoke in John 1, verse 11, were certainly true. He said Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Instead of excitement and joy at the birth of their king, the people were troubled. 
and they showed indifference. Thus they, filled the pro- thus they fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Right from the very beginning, Jesus was despised and rejected by men, and we esteemed him not. There's a message in that for us, beloved. Most of us have heard the gospel message so very many times. Such familiarity can breed contempt. Because we've heard it all before, we easily become indifferent. But beloved, that's a sinful response. The wise men's proclamation about the birth of the Messiah, the King of the Jews, should fill our hearts with joy. Joy that the Savior has come. Thankfulness that he has come to save us from our sins. God calls us to truly believe the glad tidings of salvation so that we may respond as the wise men did. Brings us to our final point, and it will see that Jesus is to be worshipped. The wise men that came from the east had to travel a long distance to go and see the newborn king of the Jews. They would have had to travel somewhere between 1,200 and 1,800 kilometers. And they did not have the opportunity to fly or even to drive that distance. The common mode of transport in those days was by foot. Perhaps they had camels to ride on. Yet they traveled the distance between Winnipeg and Calgary to go and see the newborn king of the Jews. When they came to Jerusalem, they expressed their intent. We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. On their way to Bethlehem, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him. These wise men were highly esteemed in their own culture, but they recognized the baby Jesus as their Lord and King. As humble servants, they bowed down, and they worshipped him. Our text shows us that these Gentile wise men believed in Christ, while the Jewish people did not. When they came to Bethlehem and saw the child with Mary's mother, they fell down and worshipped him. The wise men saw no miracles to convince them. They heard no teaching to persuade them. They did not witness any signs of Christ's divinity or of his greatness. They saw nothing But a little baby, helpless and weak, needing his mother's care. And yet they worshipped him as the king of Zion. And that's not all. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. 
Gold is a precious metal. Generally, it was not owned by the working class to which Joseph and Mary belonged. It's presented to Christ because he is king. Frankincense is made from the sap of a special kind of tree growing in eastern Africa. God's people used it as part of the incense they offered to God in the temple. When sprinkled on the coals of the incense altar in front of the most holy place, It sent up a sweet-smelling aroma, pleasing to the Lord. Generally, frankincense and myrrh were used as expensive perfumes. As royalty, it was fitting that Jesus received gifts like these. Thus, in their worship and their gifts, the wise men acknowledged Jesus as Lord and King. And, beloved, that's what Christ wants from us, too. He wants us to believe in him as Savior and Lord. We're to show that in word and deed. As the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Beloved, God loves it when we speak about the mighty deeds of Christ, our Savior. He loves it when our hearts respond with thankfulness to His grace by singing songs that praise His name. Paul says in Ephesians 5, verses 19 and 20, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our submission to Christ the King can also be shown in our deeds. In Romans 12, Paul urges us, in view of God's mercy, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He explains what this means. It is that instead of being conformed to the way people of this world live, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we obey the good commandments God has given us, so that we live holy and righteous lives to the glory of God, showing forth our love to God, by living lives in which we serve our neighbor. Our joy on this Christmas day, beloved, is that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In fulfillment of prophecy, Jesus came as the Messiah, the King of the Jews. Today he rules over us from the throne at God's right hand. We have a king ruling over us who loves us. He will shepherd his flock. He will guide and direct us in his ways. And he is busy preparing a place for us. So when he returns, he can take us to himself in glory. The question is, are we ready 
to receive our king? More prepared than the Jews were in Herod's day? Let us celebrate Christ's birth in such a way that we show that we are. For then we may share in the peace and the joy Christ gives today and forevermore. Amen. In response to the gospel message, we'll rise and we'll sing together from hymn 23.